Welcome to episode 274 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss the teams for State of Origin 2, Shane Flanagan to the Dragons, and much more. Join us as we build a Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 274 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Well, Dr. T, I'm feeling very regal after completing my first <laughs> um, King's birthday holiday, long weekend. I, I feel very regal and uh, proud. And, um, and how do you do, sir? Well, you know, if uh, let me ask you the question that everyone's been asking: How many times did you accidentally say Queen's birthday? <laughs> well, because I reckon, I reckon I said yeah. it more times than I said King's birthday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Because I'm not, yeah. just not used to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was funny because I, I do have uh, some neighbours that, um, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they're they're uh, they're migrants to Australia, and uh, um, they didn't even realise that we uh, had a king. Um, <laughs> Uh, because like they're like, oh yeah, oh, let's go to the king's house. Like, oh, where is that? You know, and they're after the palace, and we had to explain to them like it's all the way over in England. And I'm like England, they couldn't believe it. So, you know, like uh, it's it's there you go. So so um, yeah, I, I think I think <laughs> I don't think we care about it as much as we did before. But yeah, look, I, I got to say, yeah, it was a bit confusing, queens, kings. But I think we all got there. And uh, I've got to say, I know we're going to go into the round two, but there was. That was a fantastic thing that happened, uh, you know, yesterday at uh, at the Kings uh, long weekend match between the Panthers. Uh, oh, sorry, between Parramatta and the Bulldogs. But um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk into that. But look, Origin game two teams are out. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, you know what nine days away from uh, from the rematch and and controversy galore. <laughs> with uh, especially with the blues so you know we yeah. could have just done the whole the whole podcast just on the blues origin squad because yeah, there is absolutely. so much drama going on but um alas we have to give some airtime to queensland i don't know why but we do uh but no yeah look it's uh it's all about fred fitler freddie fitler brad fitler the coach it's his decision to to make uh well he's made some very interesting decisions so we're going to dive into that yeah we're going to talk about the king of the weekend as well. And we're not talking Charles III. We're talking Gutho. Uh, Gutho with three. Three tries. Or did he score more? I don't know. I think I, he stopped at three. But, um, but yeah, lots of other things happening as well. Um, and, you know, the other would-be king of, uh, of, of the Blues in the future was, well, I guess he, um, he didn't quite perform what the way or his team certainly didn't perform the way they wanted to the sharkies uh so there's that probably has, has led to freddie fiddler making the decision the way he did but yeah there's a lot to talk about and then the new king of the dragons is uh, mm. possibly possibly been announced we we, we think so <laughs> let's uh king flano uh we're going to talk yeah. about king flano of course <laughs> but <laughs> the king's flavored weekend uh, king's f- flavored podcast 
and uh, a lot to talk about. Let's just dive into it, shall we? Tackle number one. Here we go. The round 15 review. All right, so round 15 kicked off with the Titans 28-12 to over the Tigers at Seabus Super Stadium in front of about 10,000 fans. The Warriors 36-14, to uh, drubbing of the Canberra Raiders at GIS Stadium in front of 21,000 or so uh, fans on the Friday night. Uh, Manly 58-18 to over the Dolphins. At Four wow. Points Park in front of 14,000. Unbelievable there. Um, the Dragons, 36 to 30 over the Rabbitohs. I mean, I, I have to rub my eyes to, when I look at some of these scores. Unbelievable. Uh, at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium in front of a healthy 17,000 or so fans. Um, that was a 3 p.m. game on Saturday. I don't, I don't get it. That was, you know, are we going to bring back the, the mid, <laughs> mid-afternoon mid games on uh, Saturday? Who knows? Mm. Uh, thousand fans tell you yes. Uh, anyway, uh, Broncos 24-20 <laughs> over the Newcastle Knights at Dunhop Stadium at in front of 35,000 at 5.30 p.m. Unbelievable. Um, Panthers. Yeah. Six over the Roosters at Allianz Stadium at uh, uh, Saturday night at in front of twenty three thousand or so fans. Um, Melbourne fifty four to ten over the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks at Amy Park in front of twenty thousand. And finally, the Eels thirty four twelve over the Bulldogs at Accor Stadium. This is the Monday four pm game in front of thirty three thousand or so fans. Really great to see the Bulldogs and Eels fans get out there. And I have to say, judging, I didn't get a chance to go out there. Usually the Bulldogs and Eels is a kind of, uh, uh, it's it's a, the go-to game, but I wasn't able to do it this this year. But I have to say, um, judging by the crowds that I saw on the TV, I think it was mostly Bulldogs fans. It certainly yeah. they were louder. Uh, mm. Or maybe it's just the fact that the colour scheme is very similar. <laughs> and from a distance... <laughs> You can't really tell, but um, but look, yeah, I didn't probably see enough yellow. I wanted to see more gold. I lot, saw lots of blue, probably not enough gold for my liking. But you know, we're talking about the King's birthday weekend, um, the special edition this this week. Uh, King Gutho um, mm, played a big big part. Three tries he had at the end, I believe, unless I missed one because there were <laughs> they could have scored probably ten more tries. The Eels, they were they were thoroughly dominant, um, and and yeah, look, um, a lot of uh, you know, if you were the the Origin coach watching that game, thinking, oh, you know, I've got my eye on a few players, you probably thought, I want to have a look at Mitch Moses. Uh, I want to see what he's what he's got going, and he certainly performed. He lifted. He uh, did what he needed to do. Um, you know, one player though that didn't lift and actually probably played himself out of a a Blues squad was Tavita Pangai Junior. Um, absolutely terrible defense. There was a couple of examples there where they just completely split split open the defense, and it was all his laziness in defense that caused it. So. Um, you know, we're going to talk about it, but I'm looking very carefully through the squad and I cannot see Tavita Pangai Jr. So I reckon the I reckon Freddie Fittler got, uh, 
you know, got a bit more than he bargained for when he went to watch the Eels and the Bulldogs game uh, to, to catch up with Mitch Moses and instead saw, uh, you know, a potential liability in Tavita Pengai Jr. But there you go. Um, and, you know, look, two other big scores that we need to talk about. The Storm over the Sharks. The Sharks highly fancied up until this point. Um, that is a, a shocking performance. And similarly, um, you know, no matter what Nico Hines did, uh, Matt Moylan's terrible defense <laughs> really, I think he had 10 missed tackles. I mean, unbelievable. And and you just only have to look at some of the, the highlights to see that he was the missing last defender on all those occasions that, uh, you know, that led to tries. It's unbelievable. Um, and Manly over the Dolphins. So look, Oh my God! So much to talk about this weekend. The Warriors yeah. st- stamping their authority, um, you know, the, going so well. And look, at, at the end of all this, the Eels are basically one win outside of the top five. <laughs> so that's how. But they're not. They're sitting ninth. <laughs> so really, it's so mm. close. Uh, it's it's a logjam from about you know position three to position ten. Um, but yeah, round fifteen, a really dramatic. Uh, dramatic round, lots to talk about. Tish, lots of highlights. Uh, what were your highlights? Yeah, well, look, I think well done. Uh, you know, King Gutherson, I think, yeah, it was the first three tries of the match, right? Uh, King Gutherson scoring, and it was like, is this really happening on the King's uh birthday? It was like stunning, and then I, I felt, uh, you know what, uh, I, I kind of felt for the Republican movement. Uh, of Australia because I thought, okay, with King Gutho scoring tries and this long weekend, I mean, how could anybody not be a monarchist? You know, that's what, that's what I thought. Um, but look, you know, can the real Mitchell Moses please stand up? I think he, uh, you know, when it counted uh, for a great performance uh, to prove, you know, you're the guy that gives the gets the chance, I think Mitchell Moses actually stood up really well. Um, he's had that you know, one game instead of origin before. And um, you know, I think his performance of the weekend definitely stood out. And and not just that, I mean, he was playing uh, with, um, uh, now I'm trying to get the guy's name, uh, who was the, uh, who was the, uh, you know, re- late replacement. I think it was Dijan Asai, um, you know. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. We uh, had a great game, I've got to say. I, don't, I mean, I ha- haven't seen him play for Parramatta before. I, I mean, the name sounds familiar, so I'm pretty sure he's he's probably played some other games. But, you know, coming in at 5'8", to a pretty settled team, and then I think having, you know, you know, um, you know Moses be the mentor, um, you know, and you could, you could see how much the, the Parramatta... It was, it's going to be uh, interesting how they go without him, but, like, I think Mitchell Moses kind of showed that he could play the dominant halfback role, a great kicking game, and I think all that was there. And yeah, look on the flip of the side. I, I mean, Cronulla, what happened to them? They uh, <laughs> like they just they just uh, capitulated on on the Friday night game uh, against uh, the Storm. Nothing seemed to be going right. They just were not, um, you know, they weren't properly. Uh, I don't know what they were doing out there. Really, like it was. Is kind of a, a stunning sort of performance. So, so that, sorry, that was on the Sunday, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think other than that, though, like you know, a lot of the other games, yeah, the Dragons surprised me a lot. I've got to say, the atmosphere uh, was sensational on Saturday, and then going through the different, uh, um, you know, the different matches, you know, in during Origin season, um, I've never felt that the that we've had so many big crowds because uh, you've had 
you know, about five games over 20,000, um, you know, probably three games over 30,000, uh, well, two games over 30,000 there. Um, and, you know, healthy crowds throughout the, you know, the entire weekend, except for maybe the Gold Coast and the Titans. But other than that, I mean, I think the atmosphere at all the different grounds looked absolutely incredible. And uh, well done to the NRL and to the NRL supporters for getting out there because, uh, um, you know, the NRL competition in 2023 is is probably one of the hottest seasons going around. And the crowds are definitely, um, you know, uh, you know, paying for tickets and getting there, you know. Uh, so I think uh, I think well done to 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 the sport. I think I think it kind of shows that there's soft indicator that there's growth in, in rugby league and in the NRL, uh, Dr. T. Oh, absolutely. There's there's lots of opportunities to look, just even the fact that we've tried different things like the three PM Saturday game and found that a pretty good crowd turned up for really there would there would be no reason for the Dragons to think they would even stand a chance <laughs> against the Rabbitohs. <laughs> Yep. Even even without Latrell Mitchell, I mean, the way the Dragons have been playing, they've been absolutely woeful. They've got no coach now. You know, it's just, you know, not no coach. I mean, they're no permanent coach. Uh, well, you know, let's talk about that in a few, in a few tackles. But, um, you know, the, you would think what possibly, you know, Net Strata Jubilee Stadium, where is that? Is that in Wollongong or is that no, the no, that's, Cogra? That's, that's, that's Kugara. That's Kugara. I, I mean Kogra, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> accent coming through there, but yeah. You know, the people, the Dragons fans that live in Kogra, um, it's a long weekend. <laughs> you know, yeah. you'd think a lot of people would be probably, you know, spending time at home with their family or going on holiday or going to the shops. You wouldn't think, I know what I'll do. I'll go watch my last place Dragons up against traditional rivals, Rabbitohs, uh, you'd probably be thinking just as you're heading out the door, uh, why should I bother? Uh, I shouldn't bother. It's a it's a beautiful Saturday daytime game. Why don't I spend, you know, you'd be better off going to a beach in winter in Sydney. You'd probably get more, uh, you know, more out of it, out of the day than, than going to a Dragons-Rabbitohs game, especially with the Dragons this year, the way they're playing. But 17,000 people did that. And so, you know, that's not that more so than than went to a a beautiful Friday night game at Manly against uh, against the Dolphins, um, you know. And Manly's with the way they go in this year again, like it's just boggles the mind. So look, things like that happen, and you think, well, this there's some good signs here that that maybe we should go back to some of the things that that were traditions and and were given up or moved because of, you know, corporate interests or whatever. Um, you know, it's it certainly got me thinking, you know, like the Tina Turner's death last week really has, uh, you know, the way they have they have replayed, they've talked so much about what happened that, that time when with the advertising campaign and all this sort of stuff. It made me think at one point, you know, the, the rugby league landscape looked so different back then, didn't it? You know, you, you, you'd be able to listen to, I don't know, did you used to listen? I don't, I'm, so, I'm sure a lot of our fans used to listen to, like, the radio, um, the radio coverage. I don't do that mm. anymore. It's all streaming service, um, you know, pay, pay for the streaming service and you watch it live and you don't really listen to the radio anymore. Whereas I remember, you know, I, I grew up listening to those 
you know, those those radio callers and and uh, the broad, the various competing broadcasting. I grew up in a time, people, when there was not just one exclusive broadcaster, but multiple broadcasters. You could listen to three stations uh, covering the same game on the radio, because you know. So this the world was different back then. And maybe maybe there's some things that we need to go back to and, and revisit. Um, and I think, yeah, the Dragons, 17,000, unbelievable. There's something about that. And, and you know, the Eels and the Bulldogs as well. I mean, 33,000, we almost, you know, and the Broncos is like a regular, you know, at least thirty to 35,000 every Friday night or whatever. You know, they're, they're a regular um, on the top of the list of crowds. And for this you know, a Bulldogs team that's not going so well, an Eels team that was running 13th or whatever it was, 12th, um, you wouldn't expect 33,000 fans, but you did. And it was a great game, uh, especially if you're an Eels fan. So there you go. Look, that's <laughs> – yeah. I'll, I'll give you the final word. Otherwise, we'll move on to uh, the origin lineups. Well, well, look, I mean, just the style of play that we have at the moment, um, I, I think the Bulldogs game, I mean, it wasn't uh, great in terms of, like, closeness, but I think it was entertaining. Um, and, and I think that's ultimately what you want, right? So, um, you know, we have this hang-up that sometimes a close game is a great game. Um, but, you know, close games do produce great games and edge of the night battle stuff. But, you know, also great tries, long story tries. There's a lot. There's a lot to like. So I think, um, I think, I think yeah, I think uh, the standard of play and, you know, let's, let's thank the coaches and the players and the staff that put all these games together. I think they've done a fantastic job this year. And, um, yeah, let's hope for more great entertaining footy. And that's what you say when uh, you support the Tigers and I keep losing, right? Um, but, but there you go. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're nothing if not entertaining, that's for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's move on to tackle number two. We're going to dive into the Blues State of Origin 2 squad. All right, the Blues have named a 19-man squad. I'll go through the squad, and then we'll talk about the ins and outs. Number one, James Sadesco, captain from the Roosters. Number two, Brian To'o. Uh, in the centres, Latrell Mitchell, Tommy Toboyevich. Uh, the other winger, Josh Adokar. In the halves, we've got Jerome Luai and Mitchell Moses from the Eels uh, at number seven. Uh, 13, Isaiah Yo at lock. At second row, Hudson Young from the Raiders and Tyson Frizzell from the Knights. And the front row, Junior Paulo from the Eels, Damian Cook from the Rabbitohs and Payne Haas from the Broncos. On the bench, Stefano, oh, I keep getting this name wrong. Can you can you help me out here, Tigers Uta fan? Utakamanu, yeah. Utakamanu. Uh, Cameron Murray from the Rabbitohs, Liam Martin from the Panthers, Reese Robson from the Cowboys. And at number 18, Stephen Crichton from the Panthers. And 19, Keon Kaloa Matungi from the Rabbitohs. The ins and outs. So, look, you probably <laughs> worked it out that uh, Coruscant is out with an injury. Matt Burden has been left out. Nathan Cleary is out with an injury. Uh, Nico Hines has been left out. And Tavita Pangai Jr. has been left out. So the big controversy there has to be Nico Hines, who was 14th man, Played for only six minutes in the centres, completely out of position. Freddie didn't know what to do with him. Uh, Dalian, player of the year last year, didn't know what to do with him. He's been playing good this year, didn't know what to do with him. 
Uh, and now now we've got some new people. So Kaloa Matangi uh, is there. Uh, Yutoika Manu is there too. But Damien Cook comes in for Coruscant, which is good. I think Reese Robson has come in as a as a inter, um, uh, what do you call it? like a utility player. Mitch Moses is the key one coming in. Uh, instead of Nico Hines. So that, look, there was a bit of speculation about this during the week. And I thought, no, nah, they're not going to do that. Like, uh, you know, I know Mitch Moses was there and I know he's got a lot going for him. You know, he, he does sometimes, I guess, turn it on when he needs to. He managed to lead the Eels to a grand final last year, but fell short. Nico Hines, you know, didn't quite put it together in the final series, but one Dalian player of the year um, has been informed this year, I guess, as much as anyone. Mitchell Moses has been a little bit informed. So I kind of thought, well, you know, you've made a decision to go with Nico Hines. Why then scrap him? He hasn't done anything wrong. Why not just put him in? Or didn't he get along with Luai? Maybe he hasn't got a good combination with Luai. Maybe it's not the style of player that, that Freddie Fittler wants. I think that's the key. To me, that's the key controversy that, that has been uh, has happened with this squad. But Tish, what do you think about this blue squad? Is it better than what you had hoped, given the circumstances? And what do you think about Mitchell Moses? Okay, yeah. Well, look, a lot to unpack uh, with this team. As you said, so much drama. You could spend uh, hours analysing it. But look, in the short time that we have, on this edition of the episode, like we do with all episodes. I, I will have to say, look, uh, yeah, I, I quite like this squad. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, yes, we are we are without our halfback. Uh, we are without our uh, preferred dummy half or, or, you know, our coach's preferred dummy half. But, you know, if we look at who's uh, come in, uh, firstly, Latrell Mitchell and Latrell and Turbo are there. Uh, with Tedesco. Um, so I think, you know, you've got some real firepower there. Um, plus you've got two wingers that they know how to close, uh, you know, that they know how to close. Like, you know, they're, they're great at, at sort of getting the ball over the line, the, the try scores out there. So I think really, really exciting. Um, and Jerome Loy, he's now, a vet, well, you know, a relative veteran against his partner, Huff, but you know he's been in the he's been in the Origin squad for the last few seasons now, and I think he, uh, you know, he's he's shown his 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 uh, worthiness of the number six jersey, and I think, you know, uh, it's he's copped a bit of criticism, but I think he's the kind of character type of person that will uh, rise to the occasion, and I think he'll have a big game, and I think he will also allow Mitchell Moses to have a great game. I think Mitchell is a lot more... Um, I've noticed this year, uh, I don't know if it's contract negotiations or just confidence. I feel like he's playing with a lot more confidence and playing um, a lot more of a general role, like as a, not a general general role, but general like army general type role. Sergeant, I don't know. Like, you know, captain, guy in charge. I think I think he's a, you know, he, put it this way, when he's got the ball in his hands, he, he looks like a man with a plan, you know? Um uh, whereas previously he kind of looked like you know he's trying to just guess, um, but I think I think he's he's doing well there. So all that stuff is fantastic. And then yes, you bring the factor in of uh, okay, we've we've gotten rid of the Dalliem Nico Hines, and you know this is kind of uh, interesting because he's been replaced. If you think about it, by Reese Robson, um, Reese Robson who plays dummy half for the Cowboys. Um, Versus Nico Hines. Now, um, do you know how many uh, tackles Reese Robinson made in the last round? 
Zero. Why? Because the Cowboys had a bye. <laughs> so, obviously, this was okay. So, this decision to pick Reese Robson was not made on the weekend, was it? It was made before the weekend, right? So, uh, yeah, Nico Heiser has been dropped and replaced by Reese Robson. <laughs> but I don't think it would have mattered if, uh, if Nico Hines would have played the best game of his life over the weekend. Um, Reese Robson was in, right? Because he didn't have an outstanding performance because he didn't even play over the weekend, right? So that is interesting um, to me um, because it goes, uh, I think, with the strategy that they have, which was, you know, we're going to get really good fl- uh, pass, fast play the balls with Damian Cook, and then we're going to bring Reese Robson on the field, and then we're going to have the, you know, the dual hooking uh, to, you know, uh, sort of strategy. Uh, to sort of bring a little bit of X. I don't, I don't really consider him to be an X factor type player, um, but 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 I think they're going to try and uh, try and figure something like that out. Um, Tavita Pangai Jr. missing out. Um, yeah, I, I could kind of see it. He he wasn't the best. Well, he's rocks and diamonds, and maybe more rocks than diamonds in game one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, don't know if he had the best game for the Bulldogs. So maybe it's it's probably not his running. It's more the leaking of penalties. Um, but but uh, it's interesting how he was axed, but Hudson Young was not, <laughs> right? Because I think they were kind of a bit equal in their uh, in their uh, <laughs> in their uh, rocket like you know diabolical play in game one type thing. <laughs> so Hudson's got another opportunity, and let's hope he does well, right? You know, but I think um, you know it's state of origin is not just about firing up, right? You know, firing up and getting getting in their face. No, you actually got to like. Run some meters, play the ball quickly. Um, you know, run a good dummy half line. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't, don't try and rake the ball out. Don't look like you're raking the ball out every time you, time you uh, tackle. You know, just like, yeah. just like normal things. Like that's, I, th- I think, I think New South Wales uh, forget that. Like, you know, people say, you know, Queensland spirit. Um, uh, you know, like is there? But I, th- I feel like sometimes New South Wales are a bit more spirited. But just to me. <laughs> in the wrong areas uh, a lot of the time, right? Like when we watch the game, they, think, they seem at the start a lot more energetic about the wrong things, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, they, look, Queensland certainly does have spirit, but um, but New South Wales has, um, <laughs> has I don't know, has the vo- has, what is what, yeah. has, has the beer, I suppose. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, you know. Uh, look, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a certain type of spirit. It's just not the type that wins Origin games. I think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's the type that just does stupid things usually. But no, look, that's not the case. That's not always the case. But um, yeah, look, uh, look, just to round off this discussion about the Blues, I think um, I I'm not completely against putting Moses in with Luai because I think mm. what they were missing last time. I think Cleary cl- clearly was hindered with his injury or I don't know what, but he did not play very well. Whereas I thought, look, Luai, a lot of people were online been talking about Luai is nothing without Cleary, but I think Luai actually did pretty well. Um, he he delivered what he needed to, I think, uh, on you know the, the sideways movement. He did, he did lots of breaks. He did lots of things. He was in every play. Um I felt the other side of the field was empty. And I think 
potentially what you need is someone like a Mitchell Moses that can play that kind of roving 5-8th role as well as having a good kicking game. Uh, I'm not sure if Nico Hines, would, you would say that he has a better kicking game than than Mitchell Moses. Uh, but I guess, you know, also the fact that Mitchell Moses has actually um, played the big games. Mm. Uh, and, you know, on multiple occasions, and we've seen over the years that he's has risen to the occasion against, you know, Team the Storm, the Panthers on several occasions. You know, he's he's a big game player or he's becoming a big game player Whereas I think Nico hasn't really done that yet. I think winning Dally M in a in a side that has not had many standout players is kind of easier to do than than being a standout when the, there's lots of standout players, um, mm. as was the case last year with the Eels, and they had some good performances and did quite well and made to the grand final. So, um, you know, I, look, I could go either way with this. I think we initially thought, well, the easy thing would be to just put Nico Hines in and see how you go. You've made the choice about who this, the backup to Cleary is, but clearly they haven't. <laughs> so clearly they've gone, you know what, maybe Mitch Moses is the second best halfback. Maybe that's who we need at the moment. Um, mm. I don't know if it'll uh, backfire on them. I don't know if Mitchell Moses is going to go missing. He is a little player um, and, and, you know, Generally, the little players tend to get, you know, smashed all over the place. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Especially he's going to have a big target on his head and that's going to yeah. be a lot of pressure. And I don't know if Mitchell Moses responds that well to that kind of intense pressure. Like basically they're saying, come mm-hmm. and save us. We need you to save us. And, you know, it could either backfire or it could actually divert, you know, let me say, it could divert attention from the real – X factor that we've got here, which is Latrell Mitchell. Which <laughs> Maybe talking every, about yet, right? Yeah. Everyone focusing on Mitchell Moses, including Queensland, yeah. will forget that Latrell Mitchell is. Uh, you know, we we didn't really have that. Who did we have last time uh, in the centres? Uh, uh, Crichton. Crichton and. You know, maybe maybe Latrell is going to give a bit more service to Brian Toto on the on the side there. Mm. I, I don't know. Who knows? Um, so I, I wonder whether. You know, it's all going to be a diversion. And then Damien Cook. I mean, yeah. I thought Coruscant was good, but Damien Cook has been brilliant this year, and mm. and he will. Uh, I think he will. He will repay uh, the faith shown in him, uh, and he will be. You know, when they're getting tired in the middle, we needed someone like Damien Cook there, and and we didn't really have that. We didn't have that role on, and I think expect to see more domination of the forwards because. If you remember when we when we had that uh, supposed dynasty occurring a couple of years ago, uh, it was Damien Cook that was there at number nine, um, and yeah. and so I reckon it's like going back to that you know a couple of years ago when we uh, put on we were when we were in the zone. Um, but yeah. anyway, uh, last last word, and then otherwise we'll move on to Queensland. Well, don't underestimate. The Mitchell Moses James Tedesco connection, right? Uh, you know they're both starting off for the Tigers and mm. former roommates, right? So, I mean they're out at Origin camp, right? And then you know somebody hands James Tedesco a coffee and then drinks it and goes, "How'd you know two sugars?" And he's like, "Oh, I know," and that's because Mitchell Moses knows exactly how the captain likes his coffee, right? Because they were roommates. <laughs> You know, and you know, and you know, you know what as well. Having someone 
as loving as Mitchell Moses there as your roommate, <laughs> it means it means a difference between getting the correct boots on with the right studs. Yes. And and also someone who can tie up your shorts properly. You know, like <laughs> absolutely. You know, like he's a, he's like Teddy. Before you go out there, let me just tie up your shorts properly. Um, that way they won't fall off and everyone can ex- see your bum. You know, like it's yeah. it's the simple things. It's the little things that show that you yeah. care. And, uh, you know, you're right, Mitchell Moses, he, who knows? Yeah. This could be the X factor. Come on, Teddy. Time to wake up. He knows exactly <laughs> what time he needs to wake up. Like, you know, they've, they played together, same team. All right, am I driving today? Okay, hop in, got your seatbelt on. Okay, let's go. Hey, I've got your favorite song on. Let's go, Teddy. Let's go, Captain. You know, it's it's going to be the bromance reunited. You know, um, you know, and, and like, you know, you know what, what you need. He needs someone like Mitchell Moses to, you know, to just throw the ball around, just to remind Teddy how to pass it. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, that's what he needs. He needs a father figure. Mitchell Moses is like the father figure mm. that that mm. Teddy needs. Um, yeah, it's like um, it's like a dummy, <laughs> but you release the ball. Let's try that. Let's try that once. It's like a dummy. Yeah, you got the dummy. That's right. Just now release. Let go. Let go. Let go. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now now pull your pants up and, and get your correct <laughs> boots on. Right. All right. Okay, yeah. Drop the ball. Don't drop your pants. No, wait, the other way around. In fact, don't drop anything, right? You know, don't touch anything. Teddy. So anyway, so. Okay. All right. No, no. Let's not give away the uh, tactics for game, game two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, yeah. let's be careful. Look, let's move on before we get too crazy uh, to Queensland. Tackle number three. Here we go. All right. So the uh, Queensland squad has been announced as well. We've got Reese Walsh uh, at fullback, Xavier Coates, Murray Talagi at, um, oh, excuse me, on the wings, Valentine Holmes, Hamiza Taboy Fido in the centres, Cameron Munster, Daly Cherry Evans round out the six and seven. In the forwards, we've got Patrick Harrigan, number 13, Jeremiah Nanai is back in the squad at number 12, David Fafita at 11, Tino at 10, Lindsay Collins at eight, Ben Hunt at nine, Interchange, Harry Grant, Thomas Flegler, Ruben Cotter and Milwaukee for Fatuika and reserves 18 and 19. We've got AJ Brimson and Corey Horsberg. Um, so obviously those that were out are Jay Arrow, uh, Selwyn Cobbo, Tom Gilbert and Tom Dearden with Brimson, Horsberg, Nanai, Fatuika and Coates in. Um, look, not too many controversial changes there. Uh, Nanai is going to be a good addition, though, because he, if you remember last year, he did actually pretty well uh, on debut, and uh, you know was pretty solid for them. Um, was he was he the second rower though? I thought he was a centre, but anyway, my my mistake. I mean, he certainly plays like a centre, but um, yeah, he's in the second row there, which is interesting. But um, Harry Grant again on the interchange bench, so they're going for Hunt at nine and Harry Grant as a backup. Interesting play there. Um, look, not much controversy. It's pretty much, um, you know, apart from some changes due to injury, etc. not many huge changes, certainly not to the level of what New South Wales has done uh, in order to salvage the series. What do you think about the Queensland squad, Tish? 
Well, I think, uh, firstly, like, it is unusual after you win a uh, State of Origin game to have, you know, to have any changes at all, really. Um, but I think, obviously, because of injuries and so forth, uh, they might have had to. Um, but ultimately, like, you know, it's, um, you know, like, for example, I, I didn't feel like Selwyn Cobb and Jai Arrow would lose their spot, right? So I think it must be some sort of injury reason. I think Tom Dearden's also been been uh, sort of sort of well, uh, well, you know, it, you know, has played sort of well as well. So yeah, that was that was kind of a bit interesting that they've done that. So what I would say is that AJ Brinson, I think he's he's a great play. He's kind of a bit underrated. I think Corey Crosby, I've always like like watching him play, and I think he's going to be uh, quite fierce and quite aggressive, and and that's going to be good. And I think uh, Mo Fido Waker has also been. Um, a great player. So I think I think Queensland, like you know, sometimes we sort of talk about them not having the same amount of depth as um, as New South Wales. Um, but I think on this occasion, I think everybody that's come into the squad seems to be a uh, you know seems to be a, a pretty pretty good selection. Um, and look, they're going to be a very difficult team to beat, aren't they? Um, you know, they won the first game. Um, in the end, they kind of um, they kind of won by a little bit <laughs> by uh, by a fair margin. I mean, not. Huge compared to uh, fifty to four a few years ago, but still quite, quite, quite uh, convincing. Um, surprise at Tino. Uh, I mean, there was a incident. I thought he was on the judiciary, so there might be some. Don't know if he still has to answer some charges there, but that could be a bit of a uh, a challenge for him uh, as well uh, down the track uh, for that one. But yeah, look. Other than that, I think uh, yeah, like across the board. Where is their weakness? I, I really can't see one at the moment. I, look, game one, I think the New South Wales forwards did better, and I, and I don't really see their forwards improving that much. Um, but I think the way they – I think the combinations and the way they sort of get the ball out, the distribution part of it, I mean, it's still going to be quite strong. That's what I see. So, uh, yeah, I think New South Wales definitely have a fight on their hands uh, for game two. Yeah, I, I, interesting that you sort of say there's you can't really see a weakness. I mean, you know, in in years gone by, <laughs> you, you would find star-studded teams on both sides uh, in the international arena, and and you know, if it was Australia, New Zealand, for instance, or England, or Great Britain, and uh, and New South Wales, Queensland, and and you would still find that there was a weakness there. You still find that even though you'd had some, you know, once in a generation type players, that they all had their weakness. They all had their, uh, their weak spot that, that, uh, that was exploited expertly by the other side. We don't seem to get that much anymore. Like we seem to be getting some very, um, you know, pedestrian kind of tactics on both sides, really. Um, you know, like we had constantly kicking to Reese Walsh, expecting him as a debutant to drop the ball. And, you know, you can do that, but you've got to put pressure on the kicker. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're just bombing it to nowhere. So it, it was, a, you know, we, we talked about this last time. Uh, it was a, the Mitchell Pierce kind of effect where, you know, for some reason, for years and years, the same tactic of just bomb, midfield bombs to nobody Um it was ex- like expected that that's a tactic. But look, I'm looking at this squad now thinking, what's the difference now? Well, we talked about Latrell Mitchell. You know, Tommy Trebojevic has now got another another kind of um, strong performance behind him in the NRL. And I think he's now coming back to sort of better fitness, match fitness. So I think he'll actually do a lot better. I think a lot of people thought he went missing, but 
part of it was, I guess, um, you know, his injury, uh, coming back from injury. I think he'll do a lot better. And if that's the case, I'd be looking at the the wingers and the fullback in Queensland could be a liability here. If we have – we've got Adokar, To'o, Tedesco, if he knows how to pass it, and Latrell Mitchell uh, there as well. We've got a pretty strong back line. I think, you know, the forwards kind of cancel each other out in a way. Um and I think it's going to be one in the back. So I think this is why I think having having Moses and Luai there potentially acting as like double five eights really on both sides of the field, I think is what they want. I think Fittler's thinking he needs distribution, a lot better, quicker distribution to his quick men on the outside, especially at Okar. You know, I'm expecting to see at least once, I'm predicting it now, a Mitchell Moses uh, chip behind or or a lob behind the back line to Adokar bursting mm. with speed, chasing the ball. Like, why not? You know, what's the risk? You know, sometimes you've got to take risks, and I think that's the Mitchell Moses. He does that sometimes. He takes some of these. He sees what's in front of him, and mm. he does sometimes low percentage plays. doesn't always pan out, and it's risky to do at this level. But sometimes you've got to take those low percentage plays to actually show that you're trying to break the line, that you're trying something different. And, you know, you've got a gun there. Adokar is super fast, and he was not utilised at all in that game one. Um, It was extremely disappointing. And the only way you're going to utilise him is either by getting the ball out to him quicker via a, uh, you know, Latrell Mitchell. And he has more than capable of doing that, you know, taking, mm. you drawing a second defender, flicking it out, and away you go, Adokar, you know, the uh, no one in front of you, you know, run, boy, run kind of thing, um, versus a, a Mitchell Moses chip over the back line, uh, you know, possibly the with the... Coates or Talangi not being as experienced as our players. Um, and Reese Walsh also being, you know, only his second game in origin, positional play might be a question. This is your chance, Mitchell, <laughs> to do do one of those kicks and 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 kick it to Adokar. So I reckon, I'm predicting at least once they yeah. will try it. And if they don't, then I will I will say that will be my litmus test. If they don't even try one of those things, if Fitler doesn't give Moses the the keys to the game and say you do go out there and do what you want, um, get us the win, take those low percentage plays. If he doesn't allow him to do that, and if he, he coach over coaches them to do the boring you know bomb to nobody, I guarantee you that is the New South Wales will lose. Um, that would be my thing. If we see one exam one attempt, <laughs> Moses to Adokar via a kick then New South Wales will win. I'm putting it out there. That's my prediction. <laughs> what about you? Before I go too crazy, you want to wrap this yeah. one up? Well, look, uh, I think, uh, you know, if you have a, uh, I mean, I just think about this, like, you know, Mitchell Moses for Parramatta Eels, he's got Marcus Sivo uh, on on the end. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there was some tries with Marcus Sivo just strolls in, <laughs> strolls in right? Because it's all been <laughs> sort of set up for him, right? But the key is the ball goes gets to him you know and and um you know with with the back line that we've got uh you know turbo and uh latrell uh these guys need the ball in their hands in order to score and if you give them early ball they get they're gonna they're they're, they're good enough to set something up on them for themselves but also to set them up for the people outside of them which is of course 
you know, Adakar and and Toho, right? So I think from that point of view, uh, I think Mitchell Mercer is going to understand that, right? That that um, that you know, basically, ultimately, his success is going to be uh, is going to be at the back of how uh, you know how he distributes the ball to his outside bin. Um, you know that that's that's what that's what it's going to be, and probably his kicking game too, which I think he's actually got a really big boot. He's got a really good kick game. He's got a really good goal kicking game as well, right? So I think all those there, you know, all those elements are there uh, for him. It's just um, probably not to overplay his hand, which I think maybe Nathan Cleary might be a bit guilty of sometimes, um, because you know, like he's so used to sort of controlling um, the whole thing end to end for the Panthers. That's probably not the way you run around to new, well, this this current version of the New South Wales team, you know. So, um, you know, not not necessarily being um, not not being the the yeah. So I, I think I think it's a balancing act, and I think if you think about it too much, you probably uh, you probably sort of explode too, right? So, uh, but I think you know Brad Filler and Andrew Johns um, probably more Brad Filler. I'd say I think they know how they want Mitchell to play, and I think if he, he sort of plays that way, I think he will be success, uh, successful. As you said, uh, Doctor T, he does have that in his game where you know if if there's a trick shot or a trick play or something that is a bit more um, you know uh, radical in 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 its execution, uh, he is more. He's the type of half, halfback that's more likely to do that, right? And I think, if anything, New South Wales, you know, the one area which you ultimately get, get judged on, scoring points, they did struggle. They they definitely struggled close to the line. Um, I think they struggled a little bit with line breaks as well. Um, they did well yardage-wise going up the middle, but, you know, I, they didn't allow their great, backline players to sort of get involved in that, right? And I saw, um, you know, I see the Hammer do this really well for the Dolphins, right? Um, you know, the Hammer, uh, you know, wherever he's playing, he's sort of he's sort of in and around that ruck and he's waiting for half a break um, so that the, you know, if the forwards can get an offload away, the Hammer's there. And I think this is where I think Freddie has to give that license to Moses, to Luai, to Latrell, to Turbo. I think the four of those players have got to go with the forwards when they're sort of half a break, getting the offloads away, and then getting the ball, uh, you know, getting the ball, setting something up for themselves or trying to distribute it out to their really fast wingers. I, I think, you know, that, that that kind of sharpness in attack is probably what they need. So, you know, I know this tackle was about Queensland, but we ended up talking a lot about New South Wales. <laughs> well, it was because we were trying to find a weakness in Queensland because they played so well, and and uh, you know the Queensland spirit joined, gelled them all together into a tight unit, and this is what we need. But I think, look, yeah, the, back to the Queensland. I think I think there's uh, there aren't too many changes. I think, in fact, if anything, yeah. they with Nanai there, I think they've strengthened their squad a little bit, um, yes. and. Yeah, and possibly even with uh, Xavier Coates in for Cobo. I think Cobo has been become. I think Xavier Coates brings. Um, look, is he going to be matching up? If, if I'm not mistaken, he'll be matching up to. Is he matching up to Addo Carr or is it to? I think it's Addo Carr uh, on that same side of the field. He's got he's got um, height over Addo Carr. <laughs> you know, expect to see some kicks towards him because he's. Uh, you know that's yeah. what he's been doing so well. So I think 
again, if you're looking at a weakness, Xavier Coates has some weaknesses, but he's got a strength there that we've got to overcome, which is he's got height over us and you know, uh, there's there's a danger there that they'll just be kicking straight to him. So Addo Carr's got to look out uh, if he's uh, marking him because, um, yeah, he'll he'll have uh, he'll have to do some high jumps there. And judging based on what Tedesco did against his teammate Lindsay Collins, <laughs> where he failed to out jump a, a forward, a prop, mm. um, you know, we've got some issues <laughs> with uh, with jumping. So uh, and and on the other side, Brian Toll is really short, so he doesn't really jump very high. So we've got weaknesses on our side that that the mm. Queenslanders did exploit and can exploit and so uh that's that's really the challenge for us there but look well that's why yeah. we've got Mitchell in there it, helping Teddy improve his jump you know um we might even see him like uh you know hold his hand out or like uh you know create a human stool so Teddy can uh <laughs> catch the ball right do you reckon? Do you reckon we'll see Addo Car and Toto um, wearing like a big trench coat, one person on one on top of the other's shoulders, <laughs> yeah, right. a la secret spy style? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like who's this gentleman on the right wing? He's very tall. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, Brian Addo Car. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. All right. Let's move on to uh, another piece of news that we've been waiting to hear for a while. It's about the Dragons. It's about Flano. Here's tackle number four. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. Same old place that you <laughs> Welcome back, Shane Flanagan. He has confirmed that he will take over as Dragons head coach uh, from next year. So finally, we have a uh, Shane Flanagan is back to the NRL. He's uh, he's over his uh, dodgy past, and <laughs> or maybe, and uh, he'll be taking over the Dragons. And uh, look. You know, let's not forget, he is a premiership winner. He won in 2016. He took the Sharks to their first ever premiership. He's currently assisting uh, Anthony Seabold at the Sea Eagles. So, you know, he's been itching to get back in. And he, in a statement today, said uh, to to uh, foxsports.com.au, quote, I received the great news today that the St. George Laura Dragons board have unanimously supported my appointment as head coach starting in 2024. The details will be finalized over the next few days. And once completed, I will supply a detailed press release. It would be an understatement if I didn't express my excitement at being appointed head coach of the St. George Laura Dragons. Thank you for the overwhelming support. Now, Tish, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Dragons have not actually officially put a statement out yet. <laughs> yeah, is, that's right. is that right? That's so right. So do we trust do we trust Flano? Yeah. Well look, um at the uh at the time of this recording, I mean basically I've got Flanagan hails great news. Uh Flanagan confirms, right? Um you know and then uh, exclusive Flanagan provides an update. Right? <laughs> so, so so Flanagan you know Shane Flanagan is out there Confirming uh, the news now. Now, typically, uh, I, I I don't know. Like uh, you know, I know people on LinkedIn when they get a new role, they normally uh, like to announce that they've got a new role, right? But I, but I believe that you first 
hear it from the uh, from from the club. So I don't know what happened today. Maybe this is Joy Illawarra gave Flano a call and then said, "Hey, you know." Hello, Flan- uh, you know, is that Shane Flanagan? Yes. Hey, it's the St. George Illawarra board. Just want to let you know, um, you know, well done on your application. And then he's like, well done. Does that mean I've got it? I've got it. I've got it. I'm a coach. And then, oh, thank you so much, guys. He just hung up without listening to the rest of the phone call. I don't know. And then <laughs> and then on the other side, it's like, uh, you've got the job as a water boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Shane, Shane, are you there? Yeah. Are you there? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's you, you're you're playing out an incredible hypothetical scenario there, where where Shane Flanagan misheard a phone call and uh, hung up too early. But haven't we all done that? <laughs> haven't we all done that? Like when when <laughs> don't, don't you get those calls where where you get you know congratulations you are a, uh, you have won a million dollars from the Nigerian prince. Oh, thank you so much. And then you hang up and you go. You go to the wife. I'm rich. We're rich. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Did, yeah. did they take your details? No. Oh, damn it. How do they know? <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I will make sure that next time I get an email from a Nigerian prince that I send him my bank details just in case. That's this is this is what maybe this is what Flanner needs to do. He needs to he needs to actually call back the, the board and say, you know, are you sure about that? I just want to be sure because it's all over the news. Uh, but yeah, anyway, and maybe, maybe who knows? And maybe, maybe Flanagan. I mean, like maybe he's worked it out. Like uh, you know, these guys have never come to the decision, so I just made the decision for them. Um, but <laughs> that could also be the case because we've heard some some really uh, nasty stuff about the the board at St George, and you know, I'm not one to talk because we've heard the similar sort of things at the West Tigers. But on to Shane Flanagan, if he has been appointed, which I believe he has, uh, all jokes aside, I think it's an, an absolute masterstroke from the Dragons, because I think he is one uh, uh, coach, which, I mean, I yes, there was a bit of baggage, a bit of controversy a few years ago. But really, I mean, he's had one of the most outstanding careers uh, as a coach. And, you know, leading the Sharks to their first ever victory as a coach, I mean, that is that is rugby league history that will never go away, right? Um, so, uh, and I think he's always been a great coach. I, I really enjoy him on commentary. I think I find him to be one of the, uh, the best when it comes to analyzing different things um you know one thing that he sort of uh well i sort of heard it from him a few years ago um which is kind of stuck in my brain and maybe think about the game and the stats a little bit more differently is that is basically you know how you end your attacking set is basically how you start your defense and how you know it's a continuous game so you know the best uh, you know, so so the best way to defend is 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 basically getting putting the ball in the right area. Uh, you know, uh, at the end of your attack, which is really really quite uh, phenomenal because we look at the game as both sides of the game a bit like how they do it in the NFL and cricket and all these other sports. But you know, Shane Flanagan sees it differently, and I think that difference actually makes a lot of sense, right? Because you know, he's. I mean, Channel 9 is only catching up to it now about fatigue, right? About how important, like, uh, you know, it's a continuous game. So the more the game continues, you know, the team that is got the better uh, end of their sets are the ones that are going to be able to to get the advantage when the, you know, when, the, when there's a break in play. Like, stuff like that is really quite nuanced. And he knew, but he, he kind of uh, saw those things before I think others did. So I think, 
the Dragons have got a good one. Um, uh, but obviously, I think there's a lot of work to do there. Uh, but look, the good thing about the Dragons, I feel like they're one of these teams that can produce quite a lot of young players. And I think Shane Flanagan's a, a good sort of mentor for them. So how, how do you think Flanagan's going to go at the Dragons? Look, um, I th- I think he'll go well. I think it's it's fitting that he's with the Dragons, um, it, you know, because look, it means that I can complete my ode to Shane Flanagan. So if you if you'll mm. bear with me, okay. I have a I've written a bit of a poem to Shane Flanagan. Okay. There was an old there was an old coach named Shane Flanagan. He had whiskers <laughs> on his chin again. The wind blew up and he went to the dragons. Poor old Shane Flanagan, begin again. There you go. And, and, and it goes on and on. That's just the wow. first verse. Well, I don't know. What do you think so far? I'm a bit shy about sharing mm. my, my artistic creativity. But, look, it's uh, it's a start. Um, I'm hoping to get Ed Sheeran to uh, to help uh, repurpose uh, an old Marvin Gaye song for this mm. purpose. So uh, let's see how we go. But, look, Shane Flanagan to the dragons. Yep. It's uh, – yeah, it's unusual. The the rivals of the sharks, and uh, yeah. you know, but they are desperate, and they need someone who's got the know how uh, to create a new structure and and bring some success. And he's a winner, so yeah. uh, you know, good on them. I think that you look. We've been saying for a while that you know, they uh, look. I wonder whether was he the second choice? I think Jason Riles was chosen i think recently and then he rejected them so maybe it's a blessing in disguise that they've got someone who's actually a winner and a proven coach mm. at this level uh, and not just someone who's a, an assistant coach unproven totally he's probably never never coached any side um at this level. kind of a no-brainer the you know i know he's got a he's had a bit of a, a rough pass but Mm. You know, if all that's behind him, let's see what he can do with with the the squad, the way it is. And uh, yeah, I think he'll he'll they will find some success with him for sure. Um, but yeah, that's my final view. What about you? Yeah, look, I th- I think so. I mean, uh, uh, maybe the Tigers are back down to the bottom, but they but they're not far down the bottom of the ladder at the moment. So. Um, there you go. Wins, so, they could yeah. still mathematically all make the top eight. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's move on to tackle number five. Here we go. Now, teach the topic is specialist bunker video referees, and uh, you know where did this come from? Oh, look. Uh, okay, so. Um, you know, un- unknown maybe to a few rugby league fans, but this is actually like, uh, this is actually legit, right? That, uh, you know, rugby league is not the only sport in the world that uses video technology, right? Or has a video referee or a video umpire and so forth, right? So as a as a connoisseur of a lot of different sports, um, you know, I, uh, you know, obviously listen to a few different podcasts and read a few different things about some other sports. And, you know, this topic of, um, you know, what I've learned is that uh, I don't think there's a sport in the world that uses video technology that is not angry. <laughs> the fans are not, the fans are always <laughs> angry at the video referee, no matter what sport it is, right? And then so you know, there's different ideas sort of going around about what we can do to try to improve the accuracy of the video refereeing, right? So you know, nobody doubts the technology. It's more how the in- technology gets interpreted. Because the technology at the moment gets interpreted by a human, right? 
um, and a human is also fallible, uh, as same way as the referee is fallible because he's also a human on the field. But you know, obviously, the guy sitting in a bunker around a whole bunch of monitors, drinking a cup of coffee, staying wide awake, um, you know, uh, you know, is going to to maybe have better decision making ability for the fact that you know they're not just running around everywhere. So. At the moment, the NRL, and this is what uh, another sport is talking about, and so I'm just going to apply the same principle or same theory here, is that, you know, um, instead of having uh, referees who are, um, you know, who are actually active referees in the game, um, you know, sort of become the third umpire or become the the video referee in, uh, you know, for another game that round. So, for example... You know, you might have, um, you know, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, uh, Ashley Klein, right? Ashley Klein might referee the Friday game as the on-field referee, but then on the, you know, on the Saturday games, he might actually be in the bunker. So instead of doing that, is to get the same set of video referees that are specialist video referees, as opposed to, um, as opposed to, uh, on-field referee. So this is a, another group of just referees who are just uh, specializing in video refereeing and you actually have them, uh, you know, sort of, you know, have a look at all the games in, a, in in one round so that it's the same person interpreting the rules in the same way and therefore you should have more consistency. And if there's one thing that rugby league fans all want when it comes to the referee, it's consistency, Right. So um, I thought, okay, well, maybe it's something we should discuss on our podcast. Do you think that that could work in the NRL to have uh, specialist referees? And I think you've asked me the question, uh, what would be the criteria for a, uh, you know, a specialist bunker video referee that is, uh, you know, exclusively in the bunker? What are your thoughts, Dr. C? Firstly, what do you think of the idea and, and, and what should be the criteria if, if the NRL should go ahead with it? Yeah, look, um, to the first point, I mean, the first point is the, the really the important point is, is it worth doing? And I would say, yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, with any kind of endeavour, you know, you don't just sort of go, well, you know, the, the ship's uh, janitor was really good at being a janitor and, uh, you know, we need a captain for the Titanic. So do you want to just sort of <laughs> get up there, mate? And, uh, you know, like it's not, that's not the way it works. The way the world works is that you generally find that when it's high pressure, high stakes, you need a specialist. You know, you don't you don't want um, the 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 equipment steriliser to actually, you know, do your keyhole surgery. You know, you need a specialist there that knows what they're doing. They all play a role, um, and and you know, it's increasingly become a, an important niche role to be a video referee. And and what that means uh, is. You know, there's a few things, and and then so look, the question of is it worth doing? Absolutely, it's worth doing. It's uh, otherwise you get, you know, really like rugby league started with, and even up until we we hit professionalism, you know, in the 80s, I guess, you know, the players were still kind of, um, you know, had a part time job. So rugby league was a part time job only until like the late 80s, early 90s for most players, and and then they started to become full time. Now you you could argue that that, you know, players were more skillful back then, but you can't argue that they're more athletic, that they're not more athletic now. I mean, definitely, you know, there is an in, 
improvement is out of sight in terms of the skill level of players in general as a whole because they've got time to to do it and because they've got focus attention. So that is an easy answer. Yes, it's worth doing. The real question is what if you were to just you know choose a bunch of player people to 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 fill these roles, what kind of criteria would you have? I would say the first one, Tish, is they've got to have some spec savers. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> part of the problem, you know, just the fans are all about, are you blind ref? Did you not see mm. that? You know, we saw this only recently that there were some uh, complete differences of opinion with people seeing a, uh, you know, um, uh, with a, well, even in, in the origin, I guess, you know, the, did Teddy put the ball down? Um, you know, or did he not? Where you know, what are we seeing? What are the or different camera angles showing? You know, it helps to have people who are actually not blind. <laughs> so I mm. think that's the key thing: is people who have good vision and good uh, ability to see things. Um, I think that's one thing. Um, the other thing I would say is my second criteria is uh, someone who doesn't, you know, someone who has a thick skin and isn't going to be swayed by. You know, oh, what would happen if I get this wrong? Because it can be a pretty nerve-wracking thing. So I would say, look, you know, the ability to kind of uh, make – to be cool under pressure is mm. the key thing. And uh, another way to look at it is don't get people who are triggered by anything that Phil Gould says. Because <laughs> Phil Gould will rip into you if you do not do a good job. So if you can't handle that, do not apply. Uh, those are my two criteria. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I think you need to have done at least five seasons of uh, Gogglebox. Um, <laughs> you know, so we need experienced, uh, you know, video watchers out there. Um, I think you also need to have an ISFJ uh, psychological profile on Maya Briggs, um, which, uh, <laughs> you know, lends itself to being able to pay uh, high attention to detail. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know so, so I think, you know, I'd say that they're probably uh, the two important ones. Um, you probably need to have a, uh, you know, a pretty black and white approach to uh, the world. So we'll take, you know, extreme right, left and extreme left, right? We're not going to take anybody down the centre of politics at all. Right. <laughs> In terms of your views, you know, somebody who can make a decision, right? No matter how rational or irrational it is at times, and um, you know, and and look, uh, putting all those things together, uh, you know, if there is somebody that we can pick as a specialist right now, I'm putting uh, my hand up for Sylvester Stallone, the specialist. <laughs> what do you think? I, look, I think it's, uh, you know, just on the basis of he's a specialist. <laughs> equally, equally, you could put uh, Mr. Bean there. I think he's got good attention to detail. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You got someone who's who's, uh, who's happy to be an introvert and on his own inside a bunker in a dungeon <laughs> looking at videos. Look, um, <laughs> you know, I oh, look in all seriousness, um, you're it's a really tough job and you need people who, like I said, they're able to kind of, um, they can just focus on the job at hand. Clearly you got to know the rules because there's some, you know, um, 
sometimes I just get baffled at, at the, the interpretation of things. I think mm. you need a physicist. I think you need someone who, oh wow, you know, maybe a Dr. Carl who can explain the, you know, mm. uh, the, the trajectory. The tra- yeah, the, the trajectory of the ball looked like it was going backwards. It was actually going forward because the Earth's rotation and the spin on the axis is, um, you know, we need yeah. someone like that who can, Somebody who can who knows then string theory, someone who knows string theory and and who can talk about it to the media the next day when they make the wrong decision. I, like that's <laughs> that's the key thing I think that they need. But look, uh, yeah, look, it's uh, pretty much we we we're looking for that unicorn. I reckon Dr. Carl. Is a shoeing. I mean, he's got the spec savers. He's got the glasses. Check. He's got the physics degree. Check. I don't think he gives a crap about Phil Gould, <laughs> nor does he know who he is. So, <laughs> so he'd be like, he's, he'd be like, everyone's telling me to to look out for Gus Gould. Is that is that a type of mold or something? Is that like a fungus? <laughs> what is it? What is what is a Gus Gould? Anyway, <laughs> look. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? And and also, he's he's more than equipped and handy with with the uh, the video equipment. So he can he can muck around on the video rolly thing to go backwards and forwards. You know, freezer right there, slow motion. He can do that. I'm sure he can. He can work a computer. He can do that. So look, I've, I think I've done it. We've selected Doctor Carl as uh, mm. as as the chief uh, vi- video referee uh, mm. advisor and or you know, uh, advisor to Graham Annesley, I reckon. Mm. Graham Annesley's confidant. Yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> well, you can't you can't beat an Annesley Krasilnitsky <laughs> combo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> right. All right, all right. I think we're done you with that. Let's move on to the tips. You have an ode to that. Anyway, it's fun. No, I don't. I don't. Tackle number six. Here we go. Round uh, after round fifteen, we both got five out of eight, which is good. But that means you're still thirteen ahead of me, seventy-six versus sixty-three. And uh, look, we've got quite a few games coming up. Well, it's a partial round; it's one of those split rounds. So, how many do we have? One, two, three, four, five. So we don't have that many. Let's see how we go. We've got Cowboys versus Panthers this Friday night at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Um, you know, without Luai, without some of the key players, I think the Cowboys possibly will win this one. Mm, I'm going to tip the Panthers but very reluctantly, but yeah. Knights v. Roosters, Saturday 3pm at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. I'm tipping the Knights to win this one. Mm, look, I'm tipping uh, the Roosters. No Tedesco, so plenty of ball to the uh, wingers. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Traditional rivals, Eels Manly, uh, Saturday 5.30 at Combank Stadium, but without Mitchell Moses. Um, yeah. I reckon the Eels will win this one still. Yeah, look, both halfbacks, because, uh, you know, they're uh, Oh, yes, away, of course. Right. So, wow. so what do we've got? So we've got, um, uh, we have uh, Dijon Arce versus Jake. <laughs> oh, my God, Jake Arthur for Manly. Um, so wow. I'm going to tip the Eels there. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Tigers v Storm at Campbelltown Sports Stadium. Storm don't have a few of their key players. I think I'm I'm expecting an upset at Campbelltown Tigers to win this one. Uh, you know what? 
let's go for the Tigers, but not yeah. sure if we could beat the third string Melbourne team. So yeah. You never know. Luke Brooks is. Uh, well, actually, we we forgot to mention Luke Brooks has announced that uh, he's not going to go back to the Tigers next year. So mm. we we've we've well we wait to confirm that. But if that's the case, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk about it next week. But come on over yeah. to the Eels. <laughs> anyway, let's see what happens. <laughs> Reunite him with Moses. Anyway, um, Sharks v Bulldogs at Points Bet Stadium. Well, with Nico Hines there, <laughs> I reckon the Sharks will win this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think uh, Nico Hines is there. He probably, uh, you know, very uh, disappointed. I don't, I don't want to use the word bitter, but disappointed. So uh, looking for a big game. And um, yeah, the Bulldogs, yeah, I don't think they've got any. Or, oh, they've got Adokar missing. But yeah, but but I think the Sharks are me. All right, and I know it's a I, I know it's a, a week ahead. Or actually, when is the sta- second state of origin exactly? It is. It is. Uh, yep, it is the twenty first. So uh, a week next Wednesday. Yep. So by the time we record, we would have had the game. So I'm tipping New South Wales. Yeah. So you're tipping New South Wales one to twelve. Is that right? Yes. And I'm going to tip them thirteen plus. So I reckon, I reckon they will put it on, put on a bit of a show. It'll mean a bit of a headache for game three, in terms of if we've got players coming back from injury potentially. What do you do with a, a team that? Uh, in my view, will demolish Queensland. Um, I think they'll do a great job, but it's going to be at Suncorp. Yep, absolutely. I know it's a risk, but you know, I've been tipping so well this year. <laughs> but why wouldn't you listen to me? Why wouldn't you not put your house on what Doctor T is saying this year? But look, <laughs> yeah, who knows? But look, I'm expecting a big turnaround. I put it that way, and I think New South Wales was so close to sort of dominating for periods of that match. They just couldn't score points, and you came. You really boiled it down to they had possession. They couldn't score points. It was frustrating to watch, and I think this time with Latrell, Mitchell Moses, we've got point scorers now, and Tommy Turbo back in form. Um, our point scorers are ready and raring to go, so I think the, the Blues will win and win well, um, You know, despite the fact that it's at Suncorp, etc. I think they won't let that occasion get to them. Uh, and and they'll do the job, uh, which will make it very awkward for the uh, the final game back in Sydney for the the cider, which will be very interesting. But um, yeah, look, that's it for the podcast. That's all I've got to show for it. <laughs> so um, over to you to wrap this one up, Tish. Well, thank you, Doctor Taylor. To thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Doctor T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. 